Now that tight end Foster Moreau is a New Orleans Saint and is expected to play in 2023, what does it mean for the Saints and Taysom Hill? We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much as always for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget you can subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And I am your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert credential member of the media Senior writer and reporter over at Saints News Network, Sports Illustrated's fan nation site covering the New Orleans Saints. You can find me every Tuesday on Locked on NFL Podcast and here with you every single Monday to Friday, of course, on Locked on Saints. Today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by BetterHelp Therapy Online. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist that will help you take your journey to self-discovery from wherever you are. Just visit betterhelp.com slash locked on and get 10% off of your first month. Now. On today's episode, we're going to take a look at a couple of different things. First of all, the Saints have enough to succeed in 2023. We're going to break that down and what that could potentially mean. Answered some of your questions from the uh, Locked on Saints multiverse. And then we'll also take a look at the Saints schedule, which already has advantages. Saints get the, the NFL schedule is supposed to be released later on tonight. We'll, of course, have a bunch of leaks all throughout the day. But what are some of the advantages that they already have? But the first thing that I want to take a look at here is why and how Foster Moreau impacts the New Orleans Saints when it comes to Taysom Hill. Now, Taysom Hill has obviously been a favorite when it comes to the New Orleans Saints for quite some time uh, and has been somebody that has been able to be utilized a whole bunch of places. He's taken snap at punt returner, kick returner, gunner, up back, uh, quarterback, halfback, fullback, tight end. I mean, the guy, wide receiver, the guy is a slot. The guy's lined up everywhere, 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 everywhere. So now that you've got Foster Moreau in New Orleans, I've seen a lot of people wonder, okay, well, you've got Foster Moreau, you've got Juwan Johnson, Taysom Hill's position designation is that of tight end. So how does having those two guys ahead of him become, you know, impact him? Well, the fact of the matter is that it actually kind of makes, might make him better. It might make him better. And I don't mean that from a competitive standpoint of, oh, yeah, well, there's competition, so he's going to be better. And all that stuff, which is, you know, there's there's some truth to that for other positions, but not necessarily for this one, for the Saints and for Taysom Hill. If Foster Moreau does indeed play in 2023, which is the growing expectation, I've got several people that I've talked to that say that they expect Taysom, uh, that they expect Foster Moreau to be out there for training camp. I've got somebody who says that he's going to be out there before training camp. We're talking like OTAs, a possibility and things like that, which all that stuff's going to have. Here comes the term. Get ready for the term of the offseason ramp up. Everything's going to have a ramp up when it comes to him. But I mean, geez, like the Saints just have the opportunity here to really just roll ahead with their two top tight ends being Juwan Johnson and Foster Moreau. And so how does that affect Taysom Hill? And how could that possibly make him better? Well, it allows the New Orleans Saints to use Taysom Hill anywhere they want, anytime they want. When Taysom Hill was a quarterback for the New Orleans Saints, what did that mean? It meant he couldn't do anything else. They couldn't use him on special teams, whether it was coverage or return units. They couldn't use him at tight end. They couldn't use him as a pass catcher. They couldn't use him as a ball carrier. They needed him there at quarterback. Now, they 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 found ways to game plan and make sure that 
part of his game was being a ball carrier, but then everything else kind of went away. When Taysom Hill early on last season was playing more of a tight end role, and really early on in 2021 as well, when he's playing more of a tight end role, then you didn't get to see him be utilized in all the different places. And we saw how much the Saints struggled to figure out the right way to utilize him last year. And one of the reasons why is because they were trying to utilize him from one spot, from that tight end position. And maybe some of that is this sort of like F move tight end to where you're playing in line, in the slot, and out of the backfield. So you carry the tight end designation, but you move all around. Sure. But even with that, you don't get the opportunity to just game plan him into certain situations because you need him to physically be available to help you because you don't have the numbers at another position. That's no longer the case as long as Foster Moreau is what we expect he or is available as soon as we expect him to be available at this time to where you get to utilize him against a weak rushing offense as a ball carrying quarterback for 10 snaps, but also as a halfback, as a fullback out of the backfield and split formations, things like that. You can also run him from the tight end spot, but then have him use that split zone action across the back of the offensive line after the snap. And then Derek, Han- Derek Han- Hill, Han- Derek Carr hands him the ball and Taysom Hill goes running. There's, they could do that with him. But now you can also have him on the field at the same time as Foster Moreau and Juwan Johnson if you want to throw some 13 personnel out there. We saw the Saints have used that more and more over the course of the past couple of years now, more opportunity than ever to do that. And the genius of it is that you can go out there in 13 personnel, which is a run-heavy set, run-heavy, and then instead run a play action and drop it over the top to, to Taysom Hill. There's a lot of different things that they can do with that. So the ability to now be able to utilize Taysom Hill as the chess piece that has, that's the thing that's always made him special. The Saints get to really lean into that in 2023. And maybe they utilize him one way against the Atlanta Falcons where he's been incredibly effective no matter how he gets the ball in his hands, but then utilize him another way against a different team because he's more been more effective against that style of defense in the passing game. And then utilize him a different way because he's been more effective against that style of defense as a ball carrier. And then you utilize him however is going to maximize him for himself and Derek Carr and for the New Orleans Saints offense. So it allows Taysom Hill to be all the more unpredictable. It allows him to be all the more expansive and eclectic in terms of the way that they utilize him. And it allows the New Orleans Saints to be creative. They were not a very creative offense a lot of last year. I think everyone has pointed that out and everybody has said that there were so many tendencies and trends and traits and things they did so often that became predictable. Now you have guys that inherently make you unpredictable because you go out in 12 personnel and you have two tight ends there. You're running or you're passing. The Saints are already through 21% of the time out of that formation. And so when you think about that, that what it does is that it allows you to be able to keep that mystique about your offense and the way that you use personnel groups and alignments and things like that. But then now you have this movable chess piece all around that can be a tight end by designation, but can be anything you need him to be on the perimeter, in the slot, in line, out of the backfield, at quarterback, whatever you need Taysom Hill to do, you can now do with him. And Foss Moreau helps to make that possible as long as he's healthy and available in the way that it looks like he's going to be healthy and available in 2023. You don't need Taysom Hill to simply be a person that counts towards a number at a position anymore. He can go out there and play football. And when Taysom Hill plays football, the New Orleans Saints win games. And it has been that simple for a few seasons now. 
So that helps the Saints be able to try to maximize that success rate moving forward. So what does uh, Foster Moreau mean for Taysom Hill? It means that Taysom Hill might be even more potent in 2023 as long as everybody stays healthy. Coming up next, the New Orleans Saints schedule will be leaking all throughout the day and then will officially be announced by the NFL two hours after it's already fully leaked. What do we already know about the New Orleans Saints schedule and what are some of the things to keep an eye out on? Let's get ahead of some of those leaks as best we can uh, as we continue on with today's episode of Locked On. Saints, put a lot on podcast network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked On Saints sponsored by Better Help Therapy on Lime. Better Help Therapy, again, something I use all the time, something that I love and uh, am very appreciative for. And I hope that if you're somebody that has thought about pursuing therapy, has thought of maybe it would be time to talk to somebody or just need somebody to talk to, that you understand Better Help is a good resource for you. You, you, you simply sign up, you, you get a questionnaire or you get to tell them some things about yourself. And what BetterHelp does is that it takes that questionnaire and then goes out and finds one of their licensed therapists, legitimate therapists, that matches your background or has worked with your experience before, or maybe even comes from the same experience as you. I had something similar to that. And then assigns them to you. So you're speaking to somebody that already speaks your language. And then they also, just in case, make it free for you to change therapists, which is a whole other like thing of hoops and ladders you have to go through in traditional therapy. So no traffic better cost than traditional therapy, no waiting rooms, no social stigma. You're not stuck in one situation uh, for you know your term or whatever. You have so much flexibility with all this. BetterHelp, just, it doesn't get any better. So go check it out today, betterhelp.com slash locked on. You're going to get 10% off your first month. Once again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on to learn more today. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thank you once again to all the everydayers out there for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. I know we've been putting out a lot of content. Hope that you've been enjoying it. Um, And we've got even more on the way coming up tomorrow. We're going to take a little bit of a deeper dive into the undrafted free agents uh, for the Friday episode. But tonight we'll be live. Not after the NFL announces the schedule, because let's be real, the schedule will already be out by the time that the NFL does its little schedule release show. So we'll go live after the schedule is available and then do a whole show about, you know, predictions and we'll have fun. We'll just have a good time with it. But I want to take an early look at the NFL schedule for the New Orleans Saints right now, because there are a couple of things that I think are really important. And the first thing that I want to mention is travel miles. Last year, the New Orleans Saints were top five in travel miles because of the fact that they went to London. This year, they're bottom eight. They're actually eighth in the NFL when it comes to travel models. They travel the eighth least out of any team. So in the bottom, what is that, quarter, third of math? Uh, third, quarter, bottom quarter. They're the bottom quarter of all of the um, teams in terms of their like travel and things like that. And that's good news for New Orleans because when teams travel a lot, especially when they're, and this is kind of the, the metric that you really want to look for. It's not always just about overall travel mileage, right? If you're a West Coast team, you're traveling a ton all the time. But the big metric that you're looking at is how often does a team travel 2,000 plus miles, air air, air miles? And that's usually the metric because teams that travel 2,000 plus miles one way for a trip, those teams have much less lesser odds to win games than those that are playing at home or those that are traveling uh, less than that. And so when we look at the Saints 2023 opponents in terms of their away games, uh, they're going to be 
uh, going away to places like Los Angeles. They're also going to be heading away to uh, places like Green Bay and stuff like that. But really, Los Angeles is the only big trip for them. And even that trip is 1,620 miles in terms of air miles going from MSY to LAX. And so as long as that's the trip that the, the trip that the Saints are making there, then they're in pretty good shape. Um, Atlanta, Carolina, Tampa, those are ones that they're used to making every year. Green Bay is not that far. Houston, not far at all. Indianapolis, not far at all. Minnesota, New England, and Los Angeles. Like Minnesota, New England, Los Angeles, and maybe you wrap in Green Bay there because you're going west a little bit. Those are the ones that are maybe the longest travel, but none of them exceed 2,000 travel miles. And that's really good news for New Orleans. And so that is something that's already built into the schedule. That can't change. Once the NFL released the international schedule on Wednesday, they and the Saints weren't on it, you then know, okay, the Saints don't have a big piece of travel to make. The big thing will be, do they travel to Los Angeles one week and then the very next week travel to Foxborough? Like that will be kind of one of the bigger questions or to Los Angeles and then to Green Bay or Green Bay to Los Angeles on back-to-back weeks. That Those would be the things to watch out for if they kind of have those like back-to-back road games that are a little bit longer travel. But if the Saints wanted to mitigate that, then they do what they've done before in the past, where you go to Green Bay, you play that game, and then depending on your timeline, you fly back to LA, or you fly straight to LA, and then you practice in LA all week, and then you play in LA, and then you come back home to New Orleans. So there's a lot of different ways for the Saints to be able to mitigate that, should they decide that that's the way that they want to go about it. Now, they got to spend a little bit of extra money, but it'll knock down some of the mileage in terms of what their travel is. So that's good news for the Saints. The other thing to keep in mind, and this came from a, um, a commenter on YouTube that asked about this that I thought was really good. 13 out of 17 of the Saints games this year are going to be played in domes. They have their eight home games and then away, they have Atlanta, they have Houston, they have Indy, they have Los Angeles, and they have Minnesota, which are all indoor domed stadiums. The only away games that they have to play outdoors are going to be Green Bay and New England. And in the other two, Carolina and Tampa, they play there all the time. And Tampa, they have a over 700, you know, over 70% win percentage, career win percentage, all-time win percentage against them. Carolina, they've got, uh, I believe Carolina, they have a winning percentage against, maybe that's wrong. Uh, I'll double check that. But I mean, like they they do well enough and they travel to those places all the time when it comes to spots where they, you know, have to play outdoors and all that. So let's see, winning records against seven out of their 14 opponents, which include both Carolina and the Bucks in terms of all time. So that's good news for them. They have losing records against six of their 14 opponents. Remember, it's 14 opponents because they play the Panthers, Falcons, as well as the Bucks uh, twice. They have losing all time records against the Titans, Rams, Vikings, Packers, Giants, Patriots. Not a very tough schedule, those teams this year. And then, of course, they're tied 54 and 54 against the Falcons. They'll make that 56 to 54 at the end of the season. Suck at Atlanta. So I think that when you look at where the Saints are in terms of their ability to be successful through the schedule, they're in a good spot. They're in a good spot. 13 out of 17 games in domes. They have eight home games versus nine away games. They're on the wrong side of the schedule this year in terms of the advantage towards home games, but that's okay. Uh, They're still playing at home in Atlanta. And then you still have situations where you're looking at these teams that they have had historical success against, they've had recent success against, and they have a lot of familiarity against, and they're not traveling like crazy this year, and they don't have the international travel. I would have loved to have gone to Germany. I would have loved it, but the Saints not going to Germany this year, 
And that actually kind of works in their favor because then that's an away game that gets to be a true away game. Uh, maybe there's some advantage to that being a neutral site game. So maybe that kind of stinks for them. But hey, at least it's not a neutral site that's half the world away. And I think that's a good, good piece for them. So Saints have familiar opponents. They got, and, and oh, and the other thing I wanted to mention was that like, who's the best quarterback that they're playing against this year? Like Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is probably the best quarterback that they play against in 2023. And, and look, I'm high on Trevor Lawrence. I have Trevor Lawrence as like a top seven quarterback in the NFL. And so, and that might just be me. Like I might, it might be me and Tony Wiggins from Locked on Jaguars are the only two that maybe think about Trevor Lawrence in that way. But then if, 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 if Trevor Lawrence isn't the best quarterback that they play against, then who is? Jared Goff? Get out of my face. Like there's just, there's just, you know, fine, fine. You'll take that. And so in a lot of games that the Saints are going to play in 2023, they're going to have the best quarterback on the field. And that was not the story for them in many of their games in 2022 when they still played against weaker quarterbacks. Remember, this is a team that failed so badly on the offensive side, their final game of the year, that they couldn't beat a quarterback that had like a 3.6 per 3.6 passer rating in Sam Darnold at the end of the season. That's not okay. And the Saints should not deal with that here. In, uh, in, in 2023 with the way that the schedule is shaking out. So lots of positives, lots of advantages for the New Orleans Saints when it comes to their schedule going into 2023. Now we get an idea to see what order all of those opponents are going to fall into. Coming up next, along with that schedule, along with the Foster Moreau ad, along with Derek Carr at the helm, the New Orleans Saints have everything that they need to be successful in 2023. So what does that mean for guys like Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael? We got that coming up for you as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it, Houdat Nation, wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with your questions from the Locked on Saints multiverse. I want to start off here with It's Poppy 504, who asks, do you feel that there's tension when it comes to Dennis Allen's tenure? And does that make 2023 a must win for uh, for him? So I, I want to expand this conversation a little bit more um, to both both Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael, um, who just like generally, I just want to say, uh, I think are genuinely good people, because <laughs> I think sometimes we conflate football with with life a little bit too much. And so we say bad things about people that we don't need to say. So I just want to be very clear that like when I say things that are critical of these people, I'm talking about it from the football perspective. Um, both could no longer be with the organization in 2024 if 2023 goes poorly. That is entirely a possibility. And they know that. There's no shot they don't. There's no shot that they think that they can roll into 2023 after 2022, go 2-15 and 15 and say, yeah. I'm good. Like, come on. Like, everyone knows how the NFL works. Everybody's an adult here. Like, we get it. And so when I look at 2023, I do think that it is an important year. I think the phrase must win is a little bit challenging for both of them because what is a win, right? Does that mean just have a winning record? Does it mean get to the playoffs? Do you need to win a playoff game? Now, I think many fans in the way that they would react to that question is that you have to win a playoff game or two in order to really like be okay with both of these guys coming back in 2024. But from the New Orleans Saints organizational perspective, it's like you win games and you get to the playoffs, you're great, you're golden. So I think that that's really kind of the, the threshold for both of these guys. And maybe the threshold's there for Dennis Allen. Maybe it's different for Pete Carmichael because if the head coach coaches the team to the playoffs 
but there's enough bad stuff going on offensively that y- you have some question marks around Pete Carmichael, and that could still cause Pete Car- cost Pete Carmichael another year, right? Uh, especially with Ronald Curry waiting in the wings, knowing eventually he's going to get poached somewhere, knowing he's ready to be an offensive coordinator, all of that. So what I'll say is that the Saints have everything that they need to win in 2023. They have everything that they need to be a playoff team. They have a good quarterback. They've built a good roster. Their last big remaining need is the third linebacker on their roster and more depth on their defensive line. And they've got six more um, six more uh, roster spots to get it done with. And they'll probably have somewhere between 5 to $10 million to continue to build there. And a lot of those guys are going to be veteran minimum contracts anyway. Um, Foster Moreau's contract is a three-year, $12 million contract with $3 million in incentives. We'll see though what the structure is in terms of what his actual cap hit is in 2023, but spoiler alert, it's probably low because that's the way the Saints build out their contracts. And so they have everything that they need. And the last big pieces that are remaining are not the types of pieces that you look at and say, well, if the Saints would have just signed a third linebacker that plays 20% of snaps, then maybe they would have won two more games. That's not going to be the case. The big thing is, do you have the depth to deal with injury? That's what becomes most important. But right now they do. They have that in very important places and they have the roster spots and money available to address the other places where they don't yet have that defensive line and linebacker. So I would say this, I would say it's a very important year for Dennis Allen. It's probably an even more important year for Pete Carmichael and that both have no excuses if things go poorly in 2023. Even injury-wise, if you didn't build the roster to sustain injuries based upon what you've experienced the last two years, the Saints were massively successful in their secondary despite all the injuries that they had. Why? Depth. Then they added more depth to the secondary. They've added depth to the offensive line. They added depth to their running back room, to their wide receiver room. Now it's their tight end room. They have, they've gone from being underwhelming in terms of the guys they had behind Juwan Johnson to now having two really strong guys, really good guys up there that are also backed up by more talented players because you have a little bit more of a buffer there. So the depth feels better than, okay, who's the second guy on the list? So they got everything that they need. Now all they got to do is utilize it, make it happen. I think somebody used the, use the, the, um, use the analogy of gumbo. They, they have all the ingredients. Now all they have to do is cook it all right. So the roux's good. Nice dark brown milk chocolate. Maybe you like it a little bit darker. I like it a little bit darker. Almost a dark chocolate. I don't go that far, but I do like it a little bit darker than the, than the traditional milk chocolate. I'll go a little bit further than that. And now they got to get the rest of it right. And that's on guys like Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael. Next up, let's go to Admiral Tiberius. What a name. What a fantastic name. Uh, even if the Saints were to get a halfway slash light version of Michael Thomas this season, the Saints feel like they have, they're in a much better position to win than last year. So it's not really a question, but I thought this was an interesting statement because it's a true one. The Saints don't need 149 catch Michael Thomas in order to have a good season in 2023. They just don't. The Saints don't need 100 catches out of Michael Thomas. And you can see that based on the incentives that they gave. Remember, his incentives begin at 100 catches. You got to get a hundred of them things just to start getting extra money on top of his contract. He gets 99, he doesn't get an incentive. Now the Saints would try to get him that 100th. We know how they do. Uh, But if the Saints get 80-something receptions at an average of 12 yards per catch and you get seven or eight touchdowns out of Michael Thomas, you're in a really good place offensively because that means that all these other guys, they've been producing, 
right? And you probably got a pretty good, healthy season out of Michael Thomas. So the thing really is, can he stay healthy? Not can he be 2017, 2018 Michael Thomas. It's can he be healthy? That's really the biggest thing that you're looking for, or 2019 Michael Thomas. It's really the thing that you're looking for. And so as long as he's able to do that and stay on the field and continue to produce, even at a light level, L-I-T-E, then you're in a really good space on your offensive side and you're in a really good space in terms of your passing game as well. Like the over over on FanDuel or the over under on FanDuel for Derek Carr's passing yards is still 4,000 and a half yards. I'm getting a little bit more likely to take the over when it comes to uh, what the Saints are building here over on the offensive side. And finally, we go to Tyrone Robinson. Does Andrew Speed have any trade value? You know what? I think we talk bad about Andrus Pete a lot, but I do think he's got trade value. The, the fact of the matter is that, okay, he, he as a player has trade value. His contract, you're, not, you're probably not trading, right? Like his contract diminishes a lot of the trade value because it's a lot of guaranteed money to try to send over to somebody else or, or not send over to somebody else, but to take on while you're sending the player over to somebody else. It just wouldn't be like functionally wouldn't make sense for the Saints to trade him. But does he have trade value? Yeah. Like, let's be real. The guard position kind of universally sucks around the NFL. Like, universally, that's a bad position because good offensive linemen on the interior get moved to the outside while they're in college or they get moved to the defensive line because they're too, they're, they're way more athletic than your standard offensive lineman. And so college kind of moves them around. It's kind of like sometimes you get those really good defensive ends that coming out of high school and instead of getting an opportunity to play defensive end. At, at the collegiate level, they say, no, 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 you're too athletic. Let's move you to tight end. You're going to help us put points on the board. And then their whole role changes, their whole outlook changes, their whole career changes because of that. And that happens a lot with these offensive linemen where these offensive guards end up getting moved to center or they end up getting moved out to tackle or they jump to the other side of the line as interior defensive linemen. And so because of that, the NFL's usual intake of interior offensive linemen is based upon tackles that you can move to the offensive, to, to, to the center. Uh, two guard or centers that you can move to the guard guard spot. Look at the Saints starting two guards right now. Andrew Pete was a tackle in college. They moved into guard. Cesar Ruiz was a center in college. They moved into guard. They just drafted Nick Saldaveri. He was a tackle. They're moving him to guard. That's how you get good guards in the NFL. You change their position from something else to, to fit the guard because the guards that are coming in, not great usually. So I do think that Andrew Pete is somebody that is a proven long-term Tack or guard in the NFL does have trade value and would have value to a team that doesn't have an Andrus Pete, but trading him would be tough because of the contract situation. So I wouldn't expect him to get traded. And I think it's good to have, even if Andrus Pete gets his job completely stolen, like just deboed right out, you know, TI like snatched the chain off the neck. If Nick Saldaveri does that to Andrus Pete, then Andrus Pete becomes probably the best backup guard in the NFL in addition to James Hurst. And let's not forget James Hurst, who did what before he played guard? He played tackle. So that's my that's my thing. Does he have trade value? Does he have value as a player? Yeah, because the guards around the NFL generally are bad. And guard play around the NFL is generally bad. And obviously there are exceptions to that. There are obvious exceptions to that. But the majority of the time, it's as my good friend Charles Barkley would say, it's terrible. It's terrible. And so, yeah, I do think that he has some value, but the contract kind of sucks it all up, unfortunately. All right, coming up tomorrow. Well, first of all, coming up later on today, live schedule reaction over at Locked On Saints on the Facebook. I mean, on the Facebook. 
what? How old am I? 90? What is wrong with me? On YouTube uh, tonight. Uh, and then uh, that'll, of course, post across all platforms after the fact, but we'll, we'll do it live there just for some funsies. And then Friday morning, we'll look at undrafted free agents, all that good stuff. Uh, but then we won't, do, we won't do a live show Friday night, and then we'll be back with you on, on, on Monday, back to two-a-days still. Uh, so that's, that's the schedule for the rest of the week, and we're going to have a lot of fun. Next week's going to be a lot of fun, too. A lot of schematic stuff that we'll look at, including why the Saints should add spread offense to their offensive attack, why they should add spread to their offensive attack. We're going to have a lot of fun with that. Please come through. All right. Appreciate you as always, y'all, for making me part of your day, part of your routine. I want to give a shout out real quick to Walter, who went bald with me, who shaved his head. Shout out to you, Walter. We out here. Bald brothers. We got it going. Thank you very much as always. Make me part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, please, if you see me, say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Learn how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation. I'll holla at you.